A 17-year-old girl, Maria Tiarella, goes missing on Halloween night, not only to be found for a year, murdered by a convicted killer. When Halloween is supposed to be a night of candy and fun for most teenagers, it costs one their life. Halloween 1981 was not the only night the New Jersey thrill killer, Richard Bingenwald, took a life. Welcome to An Easy, a podcast hosted by Lexi and Cecilia. This podcast is a collection of research based on haunting and mysterious events that will leave you feeling genuinely uneasy. Discretion is advised. Maria Ciarella was a 17-year-old girl from Brickstown, New Jersey. On Halloween night, 1981, she had asked her dad for money around 6.30 p.m. and told him he'd be back around midnight. She left to go attend a Halloween function with her friends. The last person to see her was a town patrolman around 12.20 at night. She was walking in the direction of her house, and he told her that he would give her a ride home after he finished his police call. He came back around 10 minutes later, but she was nowhere to be found. She was found a year later, buried in the backyard of a convicted killer. This backyard was the backyard of Richard Bigginwall's mom's house. She was found buried under another body, and Richard had just gotten out of jail just years prior for first-degree murder. Maria was found with two bullet holes in her head, and her body was cut into three large sections and placed in trash bags before being buried. What? <laughs> I'm not quite sure if she was placed in three large sections just for easy convenience of being buried or if there was another reason for that. That is crazy. Her clothes and personal effects were not found in bags. So it was unknown if he took pleasure in the killing or violated her before she was buried. And he had just gotten out of jail. Just years prior for murder. Okay. Okay. Richard- so... Can we back up and just figure out who this Richard guy is for a second? Yes. Richard Frank Bringenwald was born in 1940 in New Jersey. It is well known that Richard came from abusive childhood. He was abused by his alcoholic father, like most seem to be. When he was five years old, you'll never guess, on fire. He's an arson? He's an arson. At five. At five. Who knows how to set fires at five? He was monitored at the Rockland County Psych Center after he did that, rightfully so. And then when he was eight, he was sent to Bellevue Hospital in New York, where he underwent electric shock therapy. How did all of those things not trigger CPS or anybody to come check on the home if a five-year-old is setting fire to a home? If it was me and I was the CPS worker or just a bystander, you know, at five years old, I would think to take that route in checking the home as well. Since it was in 1940. CPS definitely wasn't like as common then and Mm -hmm. the standards weren't as good, but he was sent to a psych center when he was five to hopefully cure what caused him to set his house on fire. But when he was eight, he did start undergoing electric shot therapy in hopes that that would make his mind go back to normal because that was pretty common. It was common there. Um, I know that seems, it probably seems jarring today like if my child was sent somewhere and they're like hey i'm gonna do electric shock therapy on your child today i would be very alarmed by that absolutely not (laughs) right but then it was so common um but i mean today we know that it has adverse effects as well yeah exactly and we definitely see that come to play later in richard's life when he was viewed he also was shown to not take well to electric shock therapy he was found drinking gambling stealing and inciting people to escape the hospital because he wasn't happy there and he just wanted to stir up what was happening there and try to 
make the place kind of crumble within itself. And this is at a young, a young age. This is eight to 10. Eight to 10. Eight okay. to 10. And then when he was 11, he set a house on fire again. Wow. So he's just like a true arsonist. Yes. Loving the <laughs> fire play. Okay. So when he was 16, he was finally able to leave his last hospital and attend high school. But his time at a public high school did not work very well as he dropped out several weeks later. Mm-hmm. And again, this is in the 40s, 50s. So he doesn't have to stay till he's 18 like we do now. Yeah. He sounds like he's just having a rough go at things. He definitely should have probably been staying in that hospital. Definitely. But yeah, after he dropped out of high school, he moved to Nashville, Tennessee, where he was there for about two years and he ended up stealing a car. And then he ended up being actually arrested in Kentucky just after all this had happened by a federal agent for transporting that stolen car across state lines. So when that happened, he was only 18 and he was returned to his mother's Staten Island. Yeah, (laughs) he has a lot going on. There's arson, there's drinking, there's gambling, stealing. Um, But him being returned back to his mother is a little bit of irony there because I think that that probably, the family life probably has a role on things as well. Yes, his mother did not help the situation. And then actually whenever he returned back to his mother, he ended up stealing another car. And then this is when his first killing took place. So after stealing that car, he ended up actually driving to a grocery store with a friend and shooting a clerk named Stephen Salaskwick. And then after he shot that clerk, he ended up fleeing the state, dropped that stolen car off because people saw him in it and had reported to the police and ended up stealing another car as part of his escape plan. Okay. Do we know why he shot the grocery store clerk or was it? Was he trying to steal or was he just shooting grocery store clerks left and right? (laughs) So there was no money ever stolen from the cash machine, which if the clerk is dead, the clerk was also the owner. So he definitely had the keys on him. At the end of the day, it does kind of appear that he was more interested in kind of getting the thrill of killing, which comes into play later. He's kind of building that momentum and trying to find something that excites him yeah. more than just robbing a store. Yeah. He says that he went to go rob the store, but when you don't take anything. Right. You don't take anything. And with serial killers, they often experience this first kill and, and the high that they get off of kills um, is, I mean, it's said to be equivalent to doing hardcore drugs for them, that they're getting this insane high. So him, I'm not surprised that he immediately fled considering it was his first kill, but he was also feeling a sense of euphoria probably from this first, it seems sporadic kill wasn't planned, um, but who knows? Well, he definitely got a taste of it and then he was definitely wanted more of it because just two days later, he ended up being caught by a police officer because they saw that his tags were stolen. So they pulled him over and he did shoot that police officer. So he wasn't even being pulled over for the grocery store clerk that he had just shot. It was kind of just happenstance that he was pulled over. Yes, it was just happenstance. And Interesting. that poor police officer. Um, so he thought that his only v- way out of getting arrested for the stolen car that he had just stolen was to shoot him when they the cop did not even know that he had just murdered someone interesting so after he shot the police officer 
He was caught and he was convicted of murder and given a life sentence. The cop did not die to note, but the clerk did. So they found him after he shot that police officer and realized how dangerous he really was and then ended up convicting him of murder and giving him a life sentence. Okay. So he got a life sentence and he went to jail. You would think. You would think that the story is over and done with. But Richard was released in 1974 for good behavior just after 16 years of being in jail. <laughs> 16 years. That is certainly not oh, anyone's my life. Gosh. He was no. just leaving high school at 16 years old. So. I, yeah, I don't, I don't agree with that. I don't equate the 16-year sentence with the two lives that he took kind of sporadically. He's only like 30-something. Close at to 40 point. at this point. Yeah. Uh, that's most certainly not his and he's done his life. fair share of wreaking havoc since yeah. he was five. So wow. Richard was kind of good, though, after he was released from prison for three years. Three years that we know of. So he was not convicted of any crimes in those three years. Okay. But right after those three years ended in 1977, he was suspected of rape and was waiting to go on trial for that but the woman was unable to place him in lineup and he also failed to report to his parole officer in that time so he was arrested for that rape charge but again he was released for it just because they couldn't prove that it was technically him and then he actually went on to go get married to a woman and whenever he was married to her they ended up moving to ashley park new jersey and whenever they moved that's when richard befriended a main named Darian Fitzgerald. And Darian Fitzgerald is a very key person to note as he'll play in later on in this story. Okay. They became really close friends, but also became murderers together. Interesting. So he becomes an accomplice. He is. Richard would go to kill a confirmed four more people and it's suspected at least two more, including Maria. Interesting. So he goes, he meets his friend, they become accomplices in these murders, but why Why was it only four? What stopped him from continuing this spree and this euphoric killing state? I definitely think that Richard would have become a more sensational or more world-renowned serial killer if it was not for the murder of Anna Oskowitz. She was found dumped at a Burger King by two boys. That's so disrespectful. I know. A Burger King? I know. Oh, gosh. Burger Kings were the thing back then, though. I get that. Maybe it's like the equivalent of a Chick-fil-A, but... Maybe. This happened on January 14th, 1983, and she had just disappeared six months prior. So Richard was caught because a friend of his wife's had notified the police that Richard had a possible connection to the murder because she had actually accompanied him on several trips to the area that she was dumped. So the Burger King was like right on a boardwalk. And they would walk up and down the boardwalk trolling for victims. Him and this woman that was his wife's friend. Why is he with the wife's friend in the first place? He doesn't seem to be like a very good guy. So I don't think yeah, he's staying loyal. He's a little <laughs> sketch. But did she, so did she tell the police that she knew they were trolling for victims? I or? assume so because everyone knows that they were looking for victims. Okay. And he had shown her once a young woman's body hidden in a garage which we believe to be Anna's. And she didn't think that she needed to say something then. Well, I think she was looking to accompany Richard 
in these future endeavors. And he had actually given her a ring that belonged to the victim. So that was his present as potentially a love story or a way to keep her. Oh, goodness. She's down bad. Very much so. So just a couple days later, on January 22nd, 1983, the police surrounded the apartment building that Richard and his wife were living at. But Richard and his wife ended up fleeing and only capturing Darian. Darian is a friend from earlier that Richard friended whenever he moved to Ashley Park, New Jersey. So he's that accomplice that we were just talking about. Yes. So Richard and the real wife. Yes. Not the woman not, who went to the police. Not the mistress, not mistress. Okay. So the so Richard and his wife get away mm-hmm. and they capture Darian. Yes. Okay. And while they were on the premise, they also found pipe bombs, pistols, a machine gun, floor plans to local business establishment, and several other illegal items. So he just has like a crime laboratory. Like, he does. Interesting. Okay. So I don't know if he was going back to his roots with his local business establishments and trying to rob them or, or arson, fake or robbing them, turning to pipe bombs. That would be the very beginning of yeah. his story for sure. Wow. So when Darian was in custody, the police interrogated him. And that's when he actually ended up flipping on Richard and explaining to the police all of their murders together, all of his murders and the possible bodies that were buried in Richard's backyard. What made his friend flip on him and rat him out? So his friend was mad at him because he believes that Richard had actually killed his cat <laughs> and wanted to seek revenge for Richard. Why was he still hanging out with Richard after he killed his cat? That remains unknown. Oh my gosh. Pets have a real bond with their humans. They're going to rat out their friend for murder because they think they killed their cat. He confessed <laughs> to murder so that Richard could also go to jail because... Richard had supposedly killed his cat. If this cat had actually died of natural causes, that'd be a very interesting story. (laughs) (laughs) All because of a cat. Wow. Okay. So after Darian had snitched on Richard and informed them of the bodies that were buried in Richard's mother's backyard, they got a warrant and they started excavating the land. And that is where they unfortunately found Maria that disappeared on Halloween night. And then they also found a woman named Deborah Osborne. Deborah Osborne was also buried in the same plot that Maria was buried on top of her. She was multiple in one. It was just Maria and Deborah and they were buried on top of each other. Okay. Wow. She was stabbed to death by Richard Mm -hmm. on April 8th, 1982. Wow. But these are not the only bodies of Richard's. There's another person named William Ward. And he was a drug dealer that Richard had met after he had escaped from prison. So William Ward was a prison escapee, and Richard had shot him numerous times in the head and killed him in his Ashley Park apartment, the one that got raided. And there was a woman named Betsy Bacon. She disappeared on November 20th, 1982, and the cause of her death is unknown to this day. Okay. She was pretty, Yikes. pretty dismembered. Yikes. Um, and then there's Johnny Patrone. He was a police informant. That was shot to death by Richard again at an abandoned airport in Flemington, New Jersey, and Virginia Clayton. She was abducted and murdered by Richard on September 8th, 1982, and her body was found three days later. And her body was found just four miles from where 
John Patron's body was discovered in Flemington, New Jersey. So were all of these people, I'm just interested because sometimes um, serial killers or um, murderers who might not necessarily be defined as a serial killer per se, but do commit several murders, follow a certain pattern, um, whether it be the way they kill the person, how they um, dispose of the body, um, how they act after the murders. Is there anything that, I mean, was there any similarities between all of these cases? I know you said Maria was dismembered. Were any of the other bodies dismembered? Do we know? So the only ones that truly were connected at all would be the ones that were shot. Um, Everyone else died in a different way. He killed, he's called the New Jersey Thrill Killer because he just decided, poor Maria, she was walking on Route 88 on her way home from Halloween that night in high school, going to bed, going to see her family. And just because she was walking on Route 88, he saw her and was like, today would be a great day to kill someone. I think it's that, like I was talking about the euphoric like feeling that they can get, but unfortunately it just sounds like this guy like maybe had he had some demons that he was he definitely did and he just i think with each time maybe there was a potential rage that he did not discover within himself but he definitely did just decide to kill for the desire of it giving him his name because there was no motive everyone looked different there was no age no demographic no way that he killed them which is very different than most serial killers that we right. see today. Some Most times it's, um, you know, they are upset with their mother and their mother is um, 5'3 and has brown hair. And so that's the profile that they go after um, in female victims. Um, sometimes it's the flip side and it's the father. It's, it's a girlfriend or something like that for, you know, stereotyping um their victim sometimes it's you know homophobic it's racial it's those type of things but this just sounds i mean thrill killer is definitely a good name wow it's very erratic and very risky for the killer to to do that i mean that's how it's if also you don't think it so out. sad to think if one body was not found he had already gone away from murder once that didn't stop him. He didn't get the help that he needed within prison. So if Anne was not found, then who else would it have been? Who would have been next? Because I cannot believe that he served 16 years, got out, and I mean, this is it shows that that shouldn't necessarily happen in all cases. I think there should have I mean, I know it was, you know, back in not back in the, day. <laughs> in the in the 70s and 80s at this point but i think there should have been more of like a well-being investigation before just not necessarily good behavior in yeah. prison i don't know if i mean we'll never know obviously he did try to appeal his case twice and he did lose both times they did find him guilty of murder both times his last appeal was in the early 2000s, and then he did die in the 2000s after that due to natural causes. So we will not know kind of what demons he is still fighting mm. to this day, but... Mm. He just... 
He had a childhood. <laughs> yeah. He start he definitely needed to feel something at a very young age. Yeah. To try to catch your house on fire is yeah, a lot. To, at five. Like think about what you were doing at five years old. I think I was most interested in like Kim Possible in Hannah Montana at five years old. I think I was learning how to write. <laughs> yeah. Not how to light a match. No. Hello. Wow. I'm just like really having a hard time wrapping my head around the fact that he didn't plan any of these. Which is truly so different. Than- so different than like people we'll talk about on this podcast, people that you've heard about notoriously. So different. Yeah. So after hearing our podcast today, hearing about Maria Cirella, Richard Bingenwald, and his other victims, one can ask himself, did the justice system fail Maria or was she just in the wrong place at the wrong time? If Richard had not found her, would there have just been another person with her story? For the next woman to be walking home alone this Halloween, you may fear others, but for Richard will not be looking for his next victim. He stayed in prison until he died in 2008 of natural causes. To learn more about the New Jersey Thrill Killer, you can read his book, New Jersey Thrill Killer by Richard Bingewald. He did, in fact, write about himself. I think that embodies this episode perfectly.